let's throw this passage up on the screen. This is from Acts chapter 12, verse 12, and I want to introduce you to a mom this morning. She only gets one sentence in Scripture, Miss Mom, and this is it right here. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. All right, I'll be honest. This is the kind of sentence, again, I'm just going to be honest, that often when you read a story in the Bible, this is the kind of sentence that you blow right past. Am I right? Okay, you just kind of move on right, right past it. And I'll admit I've done that many times when reading Acts 12 is blow right on past this sentence. But the more I think about this sentence and the woman, Mary, in this sentence, the more I'm gripped by it. And so let me explain what's going on here. Let me kind of set the context here. I just read one sentence totally out of context. Let me, let me explain what's happening here and show you a couple other sentences around this one. So this is in Acts chapter 12. This is the story of the early church. So the first people who believed and followed Jesus after he died and was raised and ascended on high. And King Herod does not like these Christians. And so in chapter 12, he starts to crack down on them. And he does that by arresting James, who's one of the leaders in the early church. And he has him executed. And the Jews rejoice over this. They're celebrating the execution of James. So King Herod likes it when people are celebrating him. And so he decides, I'm going to do a little bit more of this. So he starts arresting other Christians with plans to arrest and execute them. And one of those that he picks up is Peter, who's also a leader in the early church. Okay. And so he arrests Peter, and he plans to put him on trial the next day. And we have a feeling this is probably going to be a sham trial, and he's probably going to be executed too. And then we read this. If you back up a couple verses, this is verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Now that is the kind of sentence that will preach. The church is facing one of the biggest crises it has had so far, the death of their leader, the arrest and likely death of one of their other leaders, Peter, the rest of them fearful for their lives. And in that moment, what do they do? They don't panic. They pray. I mean, some of you just need to hear that today. If you don't hear anything else, that's what you hear today. In the middle of their crisis, they don't panic. They just commit themselves to earnest prayer. All right, that's not the sermon today. They start praying, and an angel of the Lord comes to visit Peter in jail, and he busts him out. Peter thinks the whole thing is a dream, but in this dream that he thinks he's having, and it's actually real life, he sees the chains fall from his wrist, he sees the guards distracted, he sees the doors to the jail just swinging open, and he just walks through them, and he's in a dream, we're told. But then he gets outside the jail, and he realizes this is real life, this is not a dream. So we read this, then Peter came to himself, and he said, now I know without a doubt, now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. You remember that song Brieson sang a second ago, second ago, prison doors swing wide. Okay, it's from this, this passage. And this passage right here, this verse could preach. Like how many of us have been praying for something, desiring something, and God is working it out in our lives and we don't see it while God is working it out. We only see it after the fact. In retrospect, oh, now I know, now I know that the Lord is with me. And that's Peter here. That'll preach right there. That's not the sermon this morning. Here's what I want to focus on. 
Peter's outside the jail. He's still in the shadow of the jail. The angel leaves him. He can still see the guards, you know, on the walls behind him. He's in his orange jumpsuit. So he's in danger, right? He's outside the jail. And it's at this moment we read this. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. And so now when I look at this sentence, I think to myself, why in this moment of danger was Peter's first thought, I've got to get to Mary's house? And then I look at this and I think, why was everybody else at Mary's house praying? And then I look at this and I think to myself, that name John Mark, that is a familiar name to me. Why do I know that name? Like, why do I remember this guy? And what did his mama Mary have to do with him becoming a person that I remember? You ever think about that? And I think about all that and I start thinking to myself, who is this woman, Mary, this mama Mary? What do we know about her? Who was she? For the record, she's one of six Marys in the New Testament. Six Marys in the New Testament. And this is the only sentence she gets right here. Kind of makes me wonder about her, right? Let's circle back to that moment, okay? Let's, let's see if we can work these questions out. Remember, one woman, what are the pieces that made her who she was? Let's circle back to that moment that Peter's on the outside of the prison. The angel has left him. He's in his orange jumpsuit, okay? It's kind of like, have you seen Shawshank Redemption? Okay, this is like the moment where he crawls out of the pipe. He's standing in the rain, but you can still see the guards and the lights in the background. Okay, so he is in intense danger right now, Peter is. He just walked out of prison, okay? And in that moment, when he is at his greatest danger, he thinks to himself, I've got to go to Mary's house. That's where I need to go. Why? Uh, have, you, have any of you heard the name Beth Moore before? Beth Moore? Beth Moore is a really popular uh, Bible teacher, spoken at conferences all over the place. She recently came out with a biography. And in her biography, she talks about something that she'd only hinted at before, and it was that as a child, she was abused by her father. And I was listening to an interview about, about this with, with Beth Moore, and the interviewer asked her, you know, what do you tell, like, let's imagine you were talking to a kid, or talking to a group of kids, and, you know, those who are most vulnerable and most at risk of something like this, they don't know who to go to and who to talk to, what do you tell them? And she said, this is what I always tell them. She said, I tell them, if something is happening to you, find someone safe, but not just anybody. Find a mom. <laughs> find a mom, she says. And I'm thinking about that. And I'm thinking about Peter here in this moment, that when he needs to be safe, he finds Mary, this mom. You know, there's a, a legend, we don't know this for sure, but there's a couple of clues in the text, especially in the Gospel of Mark, there's a couple of clues that Mary's house might have been the house where Jesus and his followers ate the Last Supper. And there, I could explain all those clues for saying we don't have time for that, but a lot of people think that little John Mark was there at Mary's house when Jesus and his followers came as he was in Jerusalem preparing to die and ate his last meal at Mary's house. And people believe that's likely because Mary's house was where you went if you were a person of faith and you needed to be safe. That's why. We don't know that for sure. 
Do you have somebody in your life like that? I mean, where would you go? Have you ever thought about that? If you were in danger, who would you go to? Think about that. Now, she wasn't safe because her life was untouched by hardship or grief or drama, trouble. If you would, would you throw that verse back up there, chapter 12, verse 12? Let's throw that back up on the screen one more time. Look at this with me again. And what I want you to ask is, who do you notice is missing from this short sentence? When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John. Who's missing? Her husband. Her husband is missing. Why is that? Okay, in this time, it would have been unheard of. And again, we're going way back in time. This is a different time and different place. It would have been unheard of to describe a house as belonging to the woman unless what? The husband is dead. The husband is gone. So it's almost certain that Mary was widowed. So she knows the deepest grief you can imagine. She knows it. She knows it. And yet, she has carried on gathering Christians in her home, raising John Mark. This is a woman who still has purpose, even though she has experienced the deepest grief. I'm reminded of her when I, when I run into this special woman here at Highland. I love her so much. A couple years ago, she was widowed. And I, I don't know if I've ever known a woman who loved her husband as much as she. I mean, she, to, to this day, if she talks about him, she'll tear up. And it was a really hard time, time for her, really hard time. But she has really seen it as her purpose to just adopt this church. I mean, every time the doors are open, she's here. At least once a week, she brings Chick-fil-A chicken minis to the church staff. Amen, praise God. And she... Um, she puts them in the kitchen and she sticks a little note up above the chicken minis, just blessing our staff. She's just adopted our staff. And um, you may not know this, but every time a guest comes in on Sunday morning, if I see a guest come in here and I grab them and I talk to him, if she's here and she's usually here early, she likes to hear the singing, I'll go to her and I'll say, hey, would you go talk to that family? And she'll just hop up and she'll march right over there and talk to that family like she just bumped into them. She couldn't imagine that. And then this Tuesday, a little Frankie Kate Poole got adopted and you know who was there? She was there at the adoption. A couple weeks ago, I preached about meaning and purpose. You may remember this. And she came up to me afterwards. She said, Eric, you know what? I have purpose. I have purpose. And every time I see her, I think of Mary, John Mark's mama. Experienced the deepest grief, but still has purpose. She's at that season of her life when many people would choose to sit it out, sit on the bench, and she is not sitting it out. She's staying in the game. You see that with her? And look at this. Look, come with me. Just look back at this passage for the record. This is a moment in which a lot of people would sit it out, if not for the grief that she's feeling, for the danger all around her. Again, let me just remind you, King Herod, who has all the power in this little world, is hunting down Christians and killing them. And so all the Christians, you know what they should do? They should hide. They should go to their own homes and they should hide. That's what they should do right now. I went to China a few years ago. We visited four cities in China visiting house churches in China where it's illegal to confess Christianity. And we talked to those little church planters and they told us every single one in each of the four cities told us the single greatest risk that they face 
is the size of their gathering. That the larger they get, the more attention they draw to themselves and the more at risk they are with the government. So they have to stay small and split up. This is that kind of moment for the early church. They should each go to their own homes. They should just pray from their own homes. God can hear their prayers from their own homes. And instead, in that moment, in the middle of all this fear, Mary gets on the phone and she's like, hey, call Sarah and Bob and Jake and Larry, and y'all just come on over here. I'm going to throw something on the table. We'll get something on the grill. Y'all just come over here. We're going to pray a little bit. We're just going to pray a little bit. And so everybody just starts coming to her house. Everybody's coming. They hear that uh, John over there, he wants to come. We'll bring John over. Everybody just come to my house. Everybody just needs to come on over to my place right now. We're going to pray. Let me just remind you, she would be most at risk at this moment of hosting this gathering of Christians. She's the host, and yet she doesn't care. She thinks it's more important that they pray than that she be afraid. Look at that. Now, let me just frame this. Peter, he gets out of prison. Now, let me remind you what happens when Peter gets afraid. Do you remember what happens when Peter gets afraid? He forgets everything he believes. You know, Jesus calls him to walk on water. He's like, yeah, that sounds great. He steps out, and even though he can see Jesus, he starts to doubt and sinks. You remember this? Or Jesus is arrested. He tells Jesus before that, Jesus, I'm never going to deny you. Jesus gets arrested, and they're like, Peter, don't you know that guy? And he's like, I know, I've never seen him before. Weird. So Peter is a guy who knows better than most people the way that fear can destroy our faith. And he knows in his heart that at this moment when everybody's afraid, there's one woman who won't be and I got to go to her house. Think about that. Think about it. Mary, she's safe. She's resilient. She's purposeful, courageous, and faithful. Now, here's why I want to bring that up. This is just Mary, the faithful woman, and I hope you've been inspired. But now I want to shift, and I want to think about Mary, the faithful mama. And this is what I want to say. She's resilient, faithful, courageous. All of this is happening in her home, and her son, John Mark, sees every bit of it. Do you think that leaves a mark on him? Yeah. In 2019, Barna Group released this study, and the study was describing how you, you can have a vibrant faith in your household. And by that, they mean not only that your, your children are faithful while they're in your home, but when they're launched from your home, they remain faithful. They call that vibrant faith. And they say there are three practices that mark homes where vibrant faith is taking place. Let's throw this up on the screen. Three practices that they found. Okay, the first was spiritual, what they call practices. And by that, they define it. They mean reading your Bible and praying daily with your children. Prayer and the word of God daily with your kids. Number two, they say is spiritual conversations. And what they mean by this, it's a pretty low bar. Once a week, you have a conversation with your children about faith, about things happening in your life, and things happening in their life through the lens of what God is doing in the world. So just once a week, you have that conversation. And then third, and this is the one that I think surprises most people, hospitality. And by that, they define it as inviting people who are not your family into your home at least once or twice a month. That's how they define it. Again, not a, not a high bar. Now, here's the thing. Poor Mary, she didn't have the Barna study. She didn't have it. She never got to read it. 
But look at those three things and look back at what we know is happening in Mary's house and what's happening. All three of them. All three of those things are happening. I mean, again, Mary didn't have the advantage of this study, but she knows what God said. God said he wants his house to be a house of prayer for all nations. You remember this? And then Jesus repeats that. And he said, is it not written? My house will be a house of prayer for all nations. Well, Mary's house is that house, a house of prayer for everybody. And John Mark grows up seeing that every single day. People gathered in his home who his mama invited over, praying and talking about their faith every single day. I've told y'all before, on Fridays, I get donuts for the boys, and we come back and do a little Bible study and donuts and discipleship with dad. And um, so I leave before they get up when it's still dark, and I pass this house on my way to the donut place. And every time I drive past it on the way there, there are these cars parking, you know, lights pulling up, parking beside this house. And there's young dads that are getting out of the car and walking into the house, and they all have something under their arm. In this house, in front of the house, there's a wagon and there's a bike and toys scattered in the yard. It's a house that looks like our house. It's definitely a house for the young kids. And I, never, I, you know, I didn't know what they were doing, but I had a sense of it. But finally on my way, because um, I passed the same house about an hour and a half later when I'm taking the kids to school, I saw some of those dads coming out. I caught them at just the right moment. And I noticed finally what it was under their arms and it was what? Bibles. They had their Bibles with them. And so immediately I knew this is the Friday morning Bible study. You know, the dad in this home hosts all these guys over to his house on Friday morning and they study the word of God together. Okay, now here's what I know behind that Friday morning men's Bible study. Behind it, there's a mom who probably cleaned the house all day Thursday, probably got up and made breakfast for all those guys and is now getting the kids ready for school without dad's help. Think about that. Am I right? Okay. Here's the question. Is it going to be worth it? Is it worth it that those kids are seeing people of faith in their home, praying and talking about the Father in their house? What do you think? I don't know. For John Mark, it seemed to work. Let me go back to that third question. You may remember, who's John Mark? Do you know who John Mark was? Well, the reason you know his name is he's the third Christian missionary. He saddles up with Paul and Barnabas, and they take him all over the ancient world spreading the gospel. So he's one of the early missionaries in the church. Not only that, the other reason you know his name is he wrote a little book called, does anybody remember? Remember? Mark. Like, not that creative with his title. He's like, should I go with my first name or my second name? Nah, second name. Okay, it's Mark. He wrote, he wrote the Gospel of Mark, which for the record is the first written gospel about Jesus Christ. It's the first one. It's the oldest one, okay? So what this means is John Mark was the first guy who thought to himself, you know, somebody really ought to write all this down. Because years from now, there might be some people who want to read about this guy, Jesus. I think I'll do it one of the first missionaries in the church and the first one to write down the story of Jesus grew up in a house where people were praying and talking about their faith daily. Think about that. Think about it. And Mary, Mary made that happen. 
Uh, I was thinking about Mary the other day. I heard a story, and I'll end with this story. I'm going to lead us into communion. We're going to have a special time of communion. But um, I, was, I was listening to a preacher talk about how he trains missionaries to go out, and he said, people don't realize this, but the biggest obstacle that most young missionaries face are their American parents who don't want them to leave, don't want them to leave. And um, I understand that. Somebody asked me recently if I was going to let my kids go to school where Lindsay and I went to school in Texas, Abilene Christian University. I love that school so much. And I told them, no way, it's way too far away. Right? Okay, so I don't, I understand. I don't want my kids to be far. I get that. But I heard this story. This is of uh, Scottish missionary John G. Patton. This is years and years ago, years and years ago. He decided he wanted to be a missionary and he was going to leave and he may never see his parents again. So he was really nervous about telling his parents, and finally he got the courage to, to tell them, and they responded in a letter. He didn't know what they were going to say. And when I hear this response, I think of Mary. Listen to this. We praise God for the decision to which you have been led. It says, when you were given to us, your father and mother laid you upon the altar, their firstborn to be consecrated, if God saw fit as a missionary for the cross. And it has been our constant prayer that you might be prepared and qualified and led to this very decision. And we pray with all of our heart that the Lord may accept your offering, long spare you, and give you many souls. And his dad walks him to the ship as he's leaving. He looks at his son, and, he, and Patton later describes the scene. There's a phrase in here that really gets me. going to try, try to get past it. This is what he said about his dad. His lips kept moving in silent prayers for me. And his tears fell fast when our eyes met each other in looks of which all speech was vain. And we halted on reaching the appointed, on reaching the appointed parting place. He grasped my hand firmly for a minute in silence. And then solemnly and affectionately he said, God bless you, my son. Your father's God prosper you. Keep you from all evil. And unable... To say more, his lips kept moving in silent prayer, and in tears we embraced and parted. Listen to this. And I watched through blinding tears till his form faded from my gaze, and then hastening on my way, I vowed deeply and often, by the help of God, to live and act so as never to grieve or dishonor such a father and mother as he had given me. Well, I don't know what Mary said when John Mark said, I'm leaving, but I bet she said, well, that's what I've been praying for. And my prayer this morning is that perhaps in the story of Mary, you see what it is like to be so filled with faith, commitment, resolution for Jesus Christ that everybody around you sees it. That even your children, even those in your home are drawn into it and their lives are shaped and formed by what you believe to be most true and most worth it. And that's what we see in this woman. She knew what was most true and most worth it was Christ Jesus. And may we know the same. Let me pray over you. God, would you bless your people this morning? Would they surrender themselves to you, whether they're a mama, a daddy, young person, grandparent, whatever it is, God, will they devote themselves to you fully so that their faith might lead, inspire, and transform others. 
for the sake of your son, Jesus Christ. We pray this in his name. Amen.